Hey, welcome to the Weather Channel podcast. I'm Kate Parker. I'm a meteorologist for weather.com and the Weather Channel app. And today we're going to be breaking down what happened over the weekend, the tragic events that unfolded from the severe weather outbreak on Easter Sunday. Um, Unfortunately, there were a number of deaths. This forecast was seen several days out. Um, We're going to talk about some of the stories that are emerging from that, some of the images that have really struck us, what the National Weather Service is doing to rate these tornadoes and see just how strong they were as they tore through the southeast. And with me today, I have Linda Lamb. She's a meteorologist also for weather.com and the Weather Channel app. And then we're also going to talk to Jan Child. She's one of our reporters and a writer that really dives into these stories that unfold in a tragedy like this. So both of these women are brilliant. What we're going to talk about is the unfortunate tragedy of this event. It's not easy as meteorologists. It's not easy as reporters. It is not easy for anyone whenever you see an event like this unfold and whenever you have the number of fatalities like we saw with this severe weather outbreak. In addition to that, we're going to talk about some of the winds with the forecast um, and some of the more incredible images that have come out of this, things that make your jaw drop and you say, how does Mother Nature do that? Um, and when we're going to know more information on you know, the ratings of these storms from the National Weather Service. So to start off, we want to kind of bring it back down and and talk about what happened by the numbers. So Linda, I'll start with you. What did we see in terms of number of tornadoes during the severe weather outbreak? So it's still ongoing, the surveys, as we know, uh, but so far as of early this afternoon, we had about at least 47 tornadoes that have uh, been confirmed by the National Weather Service. Uh, some of those stats with those tornadoes are still preliminary, but uh, I mean, that's a significant amount of tornadoes, and several of those were strong tornadoes. We've seen at least uh, half a dozen EF2s as well as um, EF3 tornadoes, and we've even had an EF4 tornado already confirmed with additional uh, strong tornadoes possible in the coming days. It's just, it's so tough to see those numbers and then their result, which Jan, you have kind of the breakdown on the numbers of sadly the fatalities from this event. I do. Um, And right now uh, the death toll is sitting at 34 people, unfortunately. Um, a, A huge number of those 12 were in Mississippi. You know, that's where we saw a lot of those just really devastating photos uh, and videos on Easter Sunday and in the aftermath. And then um, there were nine people killed in South Carolina, eight in Georgia, three in Tennessee, one each in North Carolina and Arkansas. And at least one of those deaths in Arkansas was actually from a um, falling tree, not directly from the tornado. So it's an example of how Mm -hmm. you don't have to have a tornado in action to actually have this kind of devastating weather and fatalities happen. It just makes your stomach drop. I know that going into an event like this, meteorologist forecasting for it, it's it's scary because you know the possibilities of something like this happening. I mean, do you guys have a hard time whenever it comes to forecasting or reporting on events like this? Oh, yeah. I mean, we knew days ahead of, ahead of this event that this was 
uh, very concerning that the ingredients were all in place to see a severe weather outbreak. And we knew there was the potential for strong long track tornadoes. And, you know, you always kind of hope a little bit that maybe the forecast will bust or any real strong tornadoes don't impact a populated area. Uh, So when you actually start to see those tornadoes track, develop and track towards areas where uh, there are lives at risk, it gets, you know, you get that pit in your stomach, you know that this is going to be as bad, potentially even worse than you had thought it could be. Um, and with this situation, it was definitely one of those that once we started to see those storms form, um, especially once we got the reports in Moreau, Louisiana, uh, it was clear that it was going to be a long uh, Sunday into Monday with numerous uh, powerful tornadoes. And unfortunately, you always kind of hope that people are not going to get uh, seriously injured or killed. But unfortunately, we we saw that um, over Sunday into Monday, and it's just, it's devastating. Yeah, I agree, um, Linda. When you're watching it, you know, myself as not a scientist like you guys are, and I learn from you guys sort of what to watch for and, and you know, when something is going to be especially severe. And so sun, I was working Sunday night, 2 p.m. to around 2 a.m. maybe, and when those two long track tornadoes were on the ground in Mississippi, mm-hmm. um, one of my kids walked in the room and, and I said, people are dying right now, you know, um, and that's kind of how how the night went, unfortunately. It's just awful because you always hope that with advance notice and all the information we were putting out there that, this, you know, you'll have the serious injuries and deaths avoided. But unfortunately, when you get those really powerful storms, uh, you know, EF3, EF4, um, the that makes injury and death so much more a possibility. And it's just awful to see that unfold. I think you're yeah. always praying while these things are unfolding mm-hmm. that we're going to see this, you know, storm hit somewhere where where no one lives. You know that there are going to be tornadoes. Just let it be where no one lives. And I have to say something that, you know, as a meteorologist really gets my hackles up is whenever um, there's a, a forecast for a major severe weather event like this, and we don't see deaths in the aftermath because the storms hit more rural areas. They don't um, necessarily damage homes. Maybe they damage, you know, some some structures, but primarily they're not actually hitting where people live. Um, you just see, a, you know, this happened a lot whenever I was in local news and you, you see the general public just, I mean, turn on you. You said it was going to be so bad. <laughs> you said it was going, that this was going to be, you know, dangerous. And it's like, okay, but there were really dangerous tornadoes. We were just really lucky it didn't hit people. And right. that's, you know, whenever you, that's the outcome you want. Um, and so it breaks my heart whenever we see the outcome that you don't want. You see what's coming and it plays out. And unfortunately, it people are in the path, which kind of brings me to my, um, next topic here, which was Linda, this was a good forecast. It was, it was a very good forecast. I mean, days like early last week, there were signs that, uh, the severe weather potential was going to be high, um, over the weekend and into the early part of this week. And the forecasts that were put out by all sorts of different outlets, you know, National Weather Service, um, the, the Weather Channel's forecast. I mean, we were really 
I mean, the, when you look at the areas that were at highest concern, where we had the greatest confidence that we would see uh, the severe weather, you know, you looked from parts of Texas all the way across the southeast, and we had strong winds reported as well as tornadoes throughout that whole area. I mean, eight states have confirmed tornadoes so far, and it was, you know, the moderate and enhanced risk areas that were, you know, definitely a part of the bullseye. Uh, for Sunday into Monday. So the word was definitely out there. I know we were talking about it several times last week, um, you know, ever since the middle part of the week, you know, trying to get that message out there to be prepared, have a plan. I mean, we were worried about the lack of shelters given uh, the coronavirus. So we had tried to put out the message as best you can. And the, the data we were looking at weather-wise just really supported that all the ingredients were in place. I mean, it always unfolds a little bit differently than you expect, but for the most part, it was, you know, pretty much what most of us had thought was a a strong possibility. And it's really led to these incredible stories to come out of this. You know, this forecast, it verified, uh, sadly, Mm -hmm. with a lot of damage and a lot of deaths. Um, But when we are seeing this unfold and you see some of the damage pictures and things come in, there were a couple that really kind of took our breath away um, mm-hmm. and caused us to pause. This image, and I don't know if you guys have seen it um, that are listening, but if you haven't, you need to go to the Weather Channel app and you can find it there um, of this house that was picked up whole oh, yeah. oh, yeah, and then moved amazing. over the road. Wow. Yeah, I, I think mean, that had all of us talking. Like, you don't see that all the time. <laughs> right. I, that was, yeah, that was unbelievable. And it really goes to show how important it is, like, how your home is built. Because mm-hmm. this is actually, from my understanding, and I think you guys let me know if um, you have the same understanding, but this is a failure that we see in home construction and major wind events and storms like this fairly often. And it has to do with how well your home is anchored or strapped. Your right. home can be well right. built, but like how well is it attached to the foundation? Exactly. Which is kind of scary because do you really know? You know, I don't know how many people really know the construction of their house. So that's, you know, when you see pictures like that, it's, it's a little bit unnerving. Yeah, there were actually, uh, um, you know, some, you, you, when you think of tornado damage and, and things happening, you think of those, what they call the vulnerable structures, the mobile homes and things like that. But there were many uh, also well-built structures that were damaged uh, or destroyed in this event as well. And you really have to, our technology isn't there whenever it comes to a tornado happening in real time and being able to get an estimate of winds. I mean, you can look on what um, the dual pole, dual pole radar is telling you as far as mm-hmm. wind estimates go, um, but it's basically like a needle in a haystack. You don't know where the tornado is going to occur. How do you get you know a measurement device that's not going to fly away? There's so many questions whenever it comes to measuring the speed of tornadoes. So the way that we actually determine how a tornado is rated on the enhanced Vegeta scale is by looking at damage to structures and to trees mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, and the ratings actually were created in conjunction with um, architects, you know? And I think it's fascinating that, you know, a brick home that's destroyed, okay, we can estimate the winds were at this, but those straps, and what I mean by those are the, they're like little L brackets that are in the corners of like, 
where your foundation and your um, home meet mm-hmm. things like, and the same for the roof in Florida, that's huge for hurricane season, oh, but yeah. all of that right. goes into rating how strong that tornado was. Right. Which is why the surveys do take a while as well, because they have to go out and track the damage along the path of the tornado. Look at those structures, look to see how well constructed homes or whatever buildings might have been impacted, uh, look to see how uh, cars were thrown or other, you know, tree damage, all of those sorts of uh, pieces of information go into that rating that they have to, you know, look at. And potentially with some of these storms that tracked quite a ways, that's a long path to cover. And um, the tornado can vary in strength along that path as well. So it you will we'll be looking for the results of these surveys over the next several days at least. Now, Jan, I know that you saw um, a story that really was one that hit home for you, and that was the family who survived in their shelter in their home. Yes. Why mm-hmm. do you think that struck a chord for you? One of the most interesting parts of this job is telling people's stories or, and hearing people's stories. And the way that the dad described that, so it was a, it was a family um, in Mississippi, and it was the, the mom, dad, two kids. I think he said one was uh, six and maybe two months old or, or, or um, young children anyway. And the dad was describing it. They had this safe house in the middle of their house. They had just bought their home like two months ago. And one of the selling points was that it had the safe room in it. And he described they jumped into the safe room, which is basically like a concrete closet in the middle of the house. They jumped into the safe room. 20 seconds later, the tornado came through. And, you know, he said, I was just hunkering down, pushing myself down on my wife and my kids, praying that we would make it. And Mm. the roof went off and dirt and sand was blowing at them. Um, They lost everything, but they are all fine, physically fine. It really is a a stunning image because it's it's just the foundation and then this box of cinder blocks. Yeah, that's it. And everything else is completely flattened. There's hardly even any... You know the um, the foundation is there, but right there around them, there's there's nothing but but rubble. It sends chills up your spine, and you know we've seen too many examples of this. And and Jan, you were mentioning earlier homes that are not necessarily as safe as others. We know that certain manufactured homes um, don't withstand this type of wind damage or, or hardly any wind damage. And so we have a lot of community shelters in places like Alabama um, that are kind of these cinder block structures created for the community. And it is a time where we are all, we are all stuck at home. We have a lot of time to think about where our safe spot is in our home or what we would do in a severe weather um, situation if, if you had a potential tornado heading your direction. Um, Getting into a safe spot is paramount. Yeah. And I always worry too, when the threat is overnight, if people, I mean, I think you're less apt to be in a shelter if you're in home and you might even be sleeping. So with a lot of these storms occurring overnight too, that's always an added concern because if you're upstairs, you don't want to be on the second floor of your home. Mm -hmm. Um, And I wonder how long people have from that warning to get to their safe room um, in that situation as well. So that's always 
uh, one of those other concerns that I, I have sometimes with these sorts of events. Mm-hmm. Do you guys use the NOAA weather radios or how do you get your alerts whenever you're sleeping? I so- do have a weather radio. Um, the reception at my new house, I, before I moved two years ago, my reception was great. The reception in the new house is not as great. And we actually are planning on getting a uh, an antenna to make that reception a little bit better. Uh, but otherwise I have the alerts on my phone and I just hope that they do go off <laughs> and that they do wake me up. Cause it's, it's, and I will say on Sunday night, I really didn't sleep when I, we were expecting the worst weather here just cause I was, you know, nervous for myself and my family. Um, you know, just, just in case, you know, I think we were all up chatting on Slack. Yeah. (laughs) So I live in Florida. So, you know, this is not an area that gets a lot of tornadoes. We do have a a NOAA weather radio. And in the past, when we've lived in places that are more um, prone to those kinds of storms, we've used it. But here we we pretty much use our our cell phones for for the mobile alerts. And you can turn on your weather channel alerts. I'm not trying to like tout our own app or whatever, but it's, <laughs> it's great for that purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm married to a meteorologist, so we had uh, two different NOAA weather radios on Sunday night. <laughs> oh, interesting. And all of the alerts going because we weren't sure if one of our weather radios was working. <laughs> so oh, wow. we had backups. Well, that's that's awesome. That's better to be safe than sorry, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. You have to. Well, this was a really hard um, day on Sunday. It was a tragedy. Um, we hate to see it, but it is severe season. Do you guys have any thoughts going into severe season on like what you would tell the people, whether it's be ready or or anything? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, it's still just coming into mid-April. So we still have the rest of April as well as May, which is typically uh, peak month for tornadoes. So uh, this, if you haven't really thought about your severe plan, now is the time to think about uh, where you will go, um, as well as to make sure you have anything you might need for that. I mean, uh, good things to think about to to be able to grab would be something to cover your head, whether it's a helmet uh, make sure you have shoes when you head into your shelter. Um, and of course, make sure you have ways to get those alerts, especially if your risk does come overnight. Make sure you have alerts turned on your phone or purchase a weather radio and uh, have that set up before the event so that you know that it works and uh, that you will get alerted uh, if severe weather is tracking towards uh, towards you. I would just add to that too. We've been talking a lot lately about coronavirus and shelters and, you know, one of the important things with that is to make sure that whatever shelter you would normally go to is actually going to be open because mm-hmm. not all communities are opening their shelters right now. And even if they opened them this past weekend, that could change as things move along, um, depending on what's happening with, with coronavirus. Jan, that is so such a good tip. And I know that Jan has been our woman on the coronavirus. <laughs> it has been, you are, no one is more up to date than Jan. Um, I mean, you were, you're, you had stories on, you know, what's going to happen with the severe season and sheltering and hurricane season and sheltering a lot of big questions with that. So you can find that on weather.com. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for this little girl power chat where we look back at what happened. Uh, Thank you, Kate. Yeah, it was great to chat with you guys. Yeah, it's nice to hear your voices virtually, even if we don't get to see each other (laughs) in the office right now. That's okay. Um, 
hey, if you guys are looking for some more podcasts, check out Warming Signs. It's another Weather Channel podcast that I host. Hi, I'm Kate. Uh, I encourage you to have a listen if you're looking for some more information. Uh, Some of our latest episodes have a lot to do with COVID-19 and the connection to what we're doing to our environment. So if you're interested, check it out. (music) 